It's the 11th of April, 2022. It's a Monday. Unfortunately, it's Monday. But hey, you know what? You got to go through Monday to get to Tuesday. It's the only way to find your way to Saturday. And this Friday being Good Friday and this Sunday being Easter Sunday, it's well worth it. We can tolerate a Monday. Am I right? I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Welcome to it. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. Appreciate the use of your head holes, all of them. Hopefully this isn't smell-o-vision, but if we could just get sound in through your nose and your ears and your eyes and mouth and whatever other big popped zit, whatever it is, we'll get in there. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thanks for going to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast, signing up, helping out the program, entering the contest. I will announce the winner of the book. At the end of the program, I will tell you the book or the book that was won in a second. And then uh, at the end of the show, I'll tell you who won it and what is replacing it. There's a new book, a new contender, somebody you probably grew up with. I know I did. And uh, I met him one time and got him to sign a bunch of books. And this is one of said books. And you're going to find out. You probably can't stand him. He's a lib guy. But he is uh, one of those people that, um, I don't know, the 20th century and the early 21st century wouldn't have been the same without him simply because there were only three people doing what he did, and uh, he had a big voice. Maybe you can figure it out from there. Maybe you can't. Who knows? Just turn around until the end of the show to figure it out. Uh, big thank you to Brett. I'm not going to give a last name, but he, he supported the show in a very, very generous way. And thank you for that uh, through PayPal. Uh, he didn't want the curse show. I don't blame him. Curse show in for everybody. But uh, I appreciate the support. Everything helps. So thank you very much, Brett. Uh, Okay. I guess I've rambled on long enough. Let's get the show started. There is a lot going on in the world, and we have a lot of ground to cover that uh, in the last bit of time since we spoke, where the insanity of the left is on full display. We have a new Supreme Court justice. This is so weird. I, I don't know that it's ever been done this way before. But we have a Supreme Court justice in waiting, been confirmed by the United States Senate, just not going to take office for, I don't know, a couple months, quite a while, things like like, till the end of summer. It's either June or July, whenever uh, the old justice decides to retire, then Ketanji Brown Jackson. I wonder if there's like a statute of limitations. I wonder if the, the confirmation, is it in perpetuity or is it uh, something else? Is it, you know, well, sooner or later, we've got to uh, just move on. Stephen Breyer just changes his mind. He says, you know what? I'm not going to retire. I, I think I got a couple more good years in me. What happens to, is she like forever just sitting there waiting for him to retire? Or does it run out with the new Congress? I don't know. We're not going to find out. Don't don't get any delusions. I don't think the left would absolutely murder Stephen Breyer if he if he did this. But we've got a whole bunch of people. Oh my God, we're going to need some Tommy John surgery in Washington D.C. now because 
Thursday afternoon, when the confirmation vote came through, Democrats immediately, well, actually long before that, Democrats started patting themselves on the back to the point that they're going to blow out their shoulders. You'd think that they were all coughing and they were trying to break up the cough or trying to do the Heimlich maneuver or whatever it is. They were patting themselves on the back so hard that they blew out their shoulders. They'll never pitch in the major leagues again. I have some audio I want to play for you of these people getting excited. I want to start off with, uh, let's see, we'll start off with Cory Booker. Cory Booker, senator from New Jersey, the child of two wealthy IBM executives. He just happens to be black, but you'd think to hear him, he's the guy who, when he was mayor of Newark, he lived in a crummy apartment building in the worst neighborhood in Newark or at least pretended to live in a crummy apartment building. And he also had, you know, a security detail. So it was kind of easy for him to stay there every once in a while. But he is, oh, no, as long I'm going to stay in the bad neighborhoods because I'm a man of the people and all this, that and the other, all this garbage that these leftists spew. He's a wealthy kid. He grew up rich. He went to private schools. He went to the best universities. He's just a spoiled rich kid. Skin color doesn't care about your snobby upbringing. But to hear him tell it when he was doing his uh, his poverty tourism as mayor of Newark, he was just, you know, it's just down with the struggle and he's been there and he knows it. It's always the rich kids who love to tell everybody else what it's like to be them, what it's like to be not rich. Like you have no idea what it's like to struggle. Oh, yes. Cory Booker's down with the struggle. Did he was he down with the struggle when he was in England studying, or was he down with the struggle when he was at Harvard studying? And what what struggle was that exactly, Corey? Was it the struggle to get a date? Was it the struggle not to be a complete and total d bag? Like what what what? Give me your struggle. He famously wrote about a guy called T Bone too. This is. This will give you an insight into Cory Booker as well. T-Bone, <laughs> tempted to say, T-Bone was a bad dude, just like Corn Pop was a bad dude. The difference is Corn Pop was real. When Joe Biden talks about Corn Pop. Nobody believes that he had this big confrontation with Corn Pop where he bought a bike train and he called him uh, whoever the, the swimmer, the, the 50s women swimmer was. Uh, but he uh, had a fight with him or was going to have a fight with him with a bicycle chain and a knife in a, in a parking lot because he called him Esther, Esther, Esther or somebody or other. But um, at least Corn Pop was real. Cory Booker throughout his political career, his writings and his speaking has talked regularly about a guy named T-Bone. T-Bone was a big deal drug dealer, I believe, in Newark. He also befriended Corey, or Corey befriended T-Bone. And T-Bone showed Cory Booker the ropes of Newark. Because, like I said, Cory Booker didn't grow up anywhere near Newark. He grew up wealthy uh, and um, went to the best private schools and everything. Something he denies the people of, denied the people of Newark, denies the people of New Jersey, and the people of the United States. He doesn't want anybody to grow up the way he did, because then he wouldn't be special. But uh, he had all sorts of stories about T-Bone. 
was good friends with T-Bone. They rolled together. They toured the city together. They spent some time together. They'd hang out. He would seek out T-Bone for advice when times got tough. It was a, it was a things that, right out of a Disney movie. It was wonderful. It was a heart-wrenching scene between T-Bone and Cory Booker. The only problem was Cory Booker eventually had to admit that T-Bone didn't exist. The T-Bone wasn't real. There is no T-Bone. And you're sitting there going, what in the hell do you mean? No, yeah, Cory Booker, United States Senator from New Jersey, they couldn't find anybody better, regaled the New Jersey media and the voters of New Jersey of tales of T-Bone, stories of his imaginary friend. He's just this side of Harvey, the imaginary six-foot rabbit. At least Harvey could open the gate at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert, but if you... Haven't seen a movie from the 40s by now. That's on you. Um, but yeah, it's insane, yet true, that this is Cory Booker. Anyway, Cory Booker, good God. Cory Booker took to his social media after the vote on Katanji Brown Jackson on Thursday and recorded something. Now, you have to kind of see this to really get the full impact of it. Cory Booker is a clown. Cory Booker is one of the least sincere human beings on the face of the earth. He, in this video, it's just him holding his phone up. So it's just his bald head sitting there. He is engaged in what could only be categorized as really bad stage acting. Now, just so you know what really bad stage acting is. In movies, you can do nuance. You can say a lot with a look. You know, you just think of some, I don't know, some movie where somebody looks over at you. Think of a Bruce Willis smirk. So we're talking about Bruce Willis recently because of his illness. Think of that, that smirk, that side-eyed smirk kind of thing, and that, all that that conveys. Think of uh, just looking at somebody's eyes and everything you see, the pain, the anger, the, the humor, whatever it is. In a movie, you can do that because you can put that face or those eyes right there up on the screen. Stage acting, you can't. Stage acting, some of the audience is, uh, you know, a football field away. So you have to be able to emote through your words, through the sounds that you make, and to some degree, the gestures that you make. Uh, that's why stage actors tend to flail around when they're acting. You know, when they're exasperated, you can't just roll your eyes on stage because people in the, the 15th row back to the 100th row are never going to notice that. So instead of just rolling their eyes, they flap their arms up like, ugh, like, like a teenager does. Cory Booker is like that. He is like an overanimated Muppet in this video, a really bad stage actor Muppet talking about how proud he is of Katanji Brown-Jackson. She overcame so much. And before you hear this, I just want to remind everybody that not only is Cory Booker a spoiled rich kid, Katanji Brown-Jackson is a spoiled rich kid, too. Her parents were. I don't know about the spoiled part, but definitely grew up in a wealthy family, in a wealthy neighborhood, the best education, everything you can possibly imagine. Not saying she's not smart or anything, but I am saying that she wasn't exactly breaking rocks as a child. She wasn't eating gruel and begging for more. She was not oppressed by the system. She had uh, nice meals every single day. She had every advantage thrown at her. The problem, the, the real divergent point in this country is not race it's money 
It's class. It's social class. The left doesn't want to admit that because they've invested so much into race. So you end up with Cory Booker making stupid videos like this. Just finished the vote. Uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson has now been confirmed by the Senate to be a justice on the Supreme Court. And I think there are a lot of people who can appreciate this, that there is a lot of hurt in this world. There's a lot of private pain and personal injury. And we live in a nation with acres of ground that's been watered with tears and sadness. But today is a mountain of joy. Today is a day for celebration. Today I rejoice. I, I cry tears of joy. And I just want to thank God and thank this extraordinary woman for persevering through all of life's challenges, for overcoming all of life's obstacles and now rising and knowing as when I talk to her, she knows that we as a nation rise, rise with her. <laughs> persevering persevering what the uh privileged childhood that she had the wealthy family that she, where where's the struggle well she's a black woman in america yeah it doesn't seem to have been an issue right does it shouldn't it shouldn't it have if the left is telling us the truth and everything they tell us her story would be impossible not unlikely impossible they keep telling us a, a worse and worse version of the story of America in their mind. It's not just that it's tough. It's that it's impossible. It's that that it's there's racism out there. It's that the country is fundamentally racist, foundationally racist. You can't overcome this. No, 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 no. It's a, a racism is a 50 foot wall made of razor wire. There's no overcoming that. Nothing. It would make her story impossible, not unlikely, but impossible. And you can hear he's almost he goes. This is what I mean by he's a bad stage actor and like an animated Muppet that's out of control. You hear him at the beginning. He's like, I could cry. And then he's, he immediately turns to a happy face. But I'm just so happy today. And then he goes back to, oh, then the struggle. He's either making it up, which I believe he is. Or he is wildly schizophrenic and it has gone untreated his entire life. It's about a 10% chance that he's wildly schizophrenic and it's gone untreated his entire life. It's 90% chance that he's just a full-blown BSer because, well, he's a Democrat and he's Cory Booker. And this is how he is every time the cameras are on him. God, this will be my only I am Spartacus moment. Uh, I'm Spartacus. You know, by the way, these jackals, these horrible, horrible creatures in the media are out there celebrating Katanji Brown. Oh, look at her skin color. She's wondering, did you notice that her skin color isn't white? Did you notice? Yeah, we did. And you won't shut up about it. John Harwood of CNN tweeted, when Thurgood Marshall was confirmed in 1967 to become the first black man on the Supreme Court, 16 of 22 senators from the 11 states of the old Confederacy voted no or didn't vote. When Ketanji Brown Jackson was confirmed today to become the first black woman, 18 of 22 voted no. Uh, he skipped somebody in there. He skipped Clarence Thomas in there. Why? Because John Harwood is a race-baiting pile of human excrement. Uh, at the time of 
Clarence Thomas's confirmation hearing, the South, the old South, the Confederacy was still controlled by Democrats, despite what Democrats would have you believe. It wasn't until 1994 that Republicans swept the South. They voted overwhelmingly against Clarence Thomas as well, but that doesn't fit the narrative. And Clarence Thomas isn't really black to a white guy like John Harwood, who is a piece of human trash. On the uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson front, we heard Cory Booker. Now I want you to play uh, to hear uh, James Clyburn. He is the number three Democrat in the House of Representatives. There's uh, Nancy Pelosi, who's got COVID now. There's Steny Hoyer. And then there's James Clyburn. He is the whip. He went on Morning Joe on Friday to talk about how proud he is. He's got this great deep voice, but doesn't really show a lot of emotion in his voice. But you'd you'd sit there and you'd think, this guy's been a trailblazer. He's been the first in a lot of things. He's the first leader in Congress, the first black leader in Congress, blah, blah, blah. These politicians, when they talk about, oh, this is a historic first, and it's uh, Cory Booker crying, it's all fake. It's all fake. They understand that anybody of any configuration can do anything. It's all for show. It's all just, they've, they've lived, even if they didn't know it before, they lived through two terms of Barack Obama as president of the United States. They witnessed Kamala Harris serve as vice president of the United States. It's not as though they just go, well, I didn't know that a black woman could make it to the Supreme Court. Yes, you did. You're lying and you're just playing it up because you're a race baiter and you're appealing to people's tribalism. It's dangerous and stupid and destructive to the United States, but it's good for the Democratic Party. So they do it. So here's uh, James Clyburn talking about uh, my grandchildren and my daughters wanted to know if Joe Biden would appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. Like, really? Really? This is what your your kids. How bad of a job as a parent did you do? with your kids that if they didn't know a black woman could be on the Supreme Court until Joe Biden appointed one. That's what I take away from this. You see what you take away from it. Yesterday, we saw a black vice president who's a woman mm-hmm. announce a vote to send a black judge to the United States Supreme Court. Wow. The first time ever I'm just wondering given all the challenges we've had what does that moment mean oh it meant so much to me i have three daughters uh, two granddaughters uh, i um really sat down with the with them two years ago a little over two years and i asked them what were the undercurrents floating around out before the south carolina primary mm. And one of the things had to do with the Supreme Court, the fact that no uh, black woman had ever been seriously considered and that there were four women that had been on the Supreme Court. What's this about, they would say to me. And that's why when I sat down with Joe Biden to tell him that I planned to endorse him in the South Carolina primary, but I thought it would be helpful Mm -hmm. if he made it very clear that if given the opportunity he would break through that glass ceiling. He made that promise, and he's kept that promise. And he nominated, and we have now seen confirmed, an outstanding judge who I think will be a magnificent jurist. Oh, yes. We sat down with his children to find out what was 
they and they said there's never been a black woman on the court daddy is that even possible it doesn't seem possible in the united really james clyburn is 81 years old two years ago he would have been 79 years old he does not have teenage daughters he probably doesn't even have teenage grandchildren if we're being honest but are we supposed to believe that he sat down with his adult seemingly i would guess they're in their 40s or 50s children and they were confounded by, well, why hasn't there been? Is that even possible? Is there this? Is there that? What's happening? How is this? Uh, no. Really? I didn't know. I don't know for a fact that a black woman can sit on the Supreme Court, Father. Tell us why it's possible. I don't believe this. Does that sound believable to anybody? That he sat down with his If he did, he did a pretty poor job of raising his children, if we're just being honest. If that, like in their 40s and 50s, they're going, there's no way. It's just impossible. It's a physical impossibility for there to be a black woman on the Supreme Court. That's what he kind of wants us to believe. Unless and until Joe Biden came along. Then, then the clouds parted and the sun shone through for the first time, perhaps ever, and the glory of this possible future revealed itself. What a load of garbage. And you hear Mika sitting there, well, it was a great day. I have three daughters. And you hear Mika go, oh... Yeah, uh, Mika's daughters are about as old as you are, okay? They've had less work done, but they're about as old as you are. Oh, they're so cute at that age. What, black women in their 50s are super cute? Everything about this is condescending and bizarre. And that leads us to Yamish Alcindor. Yamish Alcindor, you pay her salary. She is an employee of PBS and also an employee of NBC News. God, she's a left-wing radical. Uh, for some reason, whatever, who cares? It doesn't matter. Rand Paul was, well, was about 20 minutes, 25 minutes late to the vote. They held the vote open for Rand Paul so he could get down there. He voted against Ketanji Brown-Jackson because she's a liberal activist and probably going to be a horrible Supreme Court justice. And you don't have to vote for somebody just because of the color of their skin or which genitalia they have. Yamish was asked about this on NBC News by Lester Holt. Why is a hack like Yamish on NBC News? Because she's the Washington correspondent for NBC News. Liberals fail up. They pay. They take care of their own. Yamish is um, she's a proud black woman who really seems to only care about uh, liberals. And if there's a racial component in there, all the better. If there's not a racial component, she will hammer one into it. And the idea that, hey, the vote is going to have to take a little bit because we're waiting on a senator, a courtesy, by the way, that is common for senators. He could have been in the bathroom. He could have had a media interview. He could have been all doing all sorts of other things. It doesn't really matter. Does 20 minutes make a difference? Justice delayed is justice denied. Go justice in a lake, okay? Listen to Yamish. She makes Rand Paul having uh, a, an engagement, whatever it is, into a racial issue because that's all she is. And this is how you succeed in media these days. You've got to be a left winger. And if you can inject race into everything, boy, how do you probably get your own show like she has in Washington week. Here's Yamish. Yamish, you have to start wondering now whether um, there's a statement being made here. 
That is a, a, a key question here. Garrett's reporting that the, the senator's aides closed the door and, and would not answer questions um, during this historic vote really does say something. Um, and it really in some ways begs the question of, is this going to be yet another hurdle, another unusual thing that's happening to Judge Jackson as she tries to make history and as she will make history? Um, as Garrett said, this vote will happen. She will be confirmed based on the vote count. Um, but it is in some some ways an unsettling um it's an unsettling development. Um, in some ways, it reminds me of the conversations that I've been having with black women who say that they've had to navigate all sorts of hurdles, all sorts of, um, they say, indignities um, in order to achieve what they want, um, in order to achieve the things that they've earned and that they deserve. So here is now another moment where um, Washington is sort of scratching its head, wondering what in the world is going on um, while we wait for the justice to be confirmed or the judge, I should say, to be confirmed. She's not a justice just yet. How sickening is this person? Oh, no, Rand Paul, his lady, had something else scheduled. He didn't conform with them, and he just didn't cancel it so that he could go down there and vote. Sorry, you racist piece of crap, but uh, go jump in a lake, and it's all the better if you don't know how to swim because this is the rot that is destroying America, and these are the people who are rotting that rot. Now, but Yamish... Alcindor is a horrible racist, and of course she's doing well and, and thriving in journalism because that's what it takes to thrive in journalism. That's how it works in journalism. Bad people excel in liberal journalism. Bad people excel in liberalism. This story out of New Jersey, since we're talking about the trans issue all week. New Jersey to require second graders to learn about gender identity and fall alarming parents. Fox News has the story. It's a sample New Jersey lesson plan says, quote, you may feel like you're a boy, even if you have body parts that some might tell you you are a girl that, uh, that some might tell you are girl parts. Yeah. No, you can't. Uh, they're not groomers. They're not groomers at all, except for the fact that they're trying to groom children. New Jersey public school second graders will be getting lessons in gender identity this fall under state sex education guidelines that will take effect in September. According to the standards, New Jersey students should, by the end of second grade, understand the core ideas that individuals should feel welcome and included regardless of their gender, gender expression, or sexual orientation. Additionally, these standards listed performance expectations for second graders, which includes discussing, quote, the range of ways people express their gender and how one gender role stereotypes, uh, uh, how gender role stereotypes might limit behavior, end quote. They don't give, there's no poll anywhere in this country that shows that this is a popular idea or that parents want their children as young as second grade learning this crap. Yet Democrats don't give a damn. The activist class in the Democratic Party, about 3% of the population, don't give a damn. The Nazis were not much more of the population. And they took over Germany. They seized power. They would not let it go. They created circumstances under which, like, oh, I don't know, an emergency pandemic, they used different things, the burning of the Reichstag, to consolidate their power. They did not let it go. It had to be wrestled from them. We have another chance this fall before we get to that point. These people don't give a damn. They're going to keep plowing ahead, regardless of what you want, regardless of what you think. I don't care how you live your life. I really couldn't give a damn. It's your life. But I have a problem with people who 
can't live their lives without their sexual orientation being a massive part of it, without any of it. This story from NBC News. Now, they're trying to present it in a, a sympathetic way because it's liberal agenda, but it's, it's telling. The headline, a Texas teacher faces losing her job after fighting for gay pride symbols in school. A subheadline, uh, a battle over rainbow stickers at high school near Dallas has hobbled the gay-straight alliance and left LGBTQ students feeling unsafe. Just get over it. I didn't know the first damn... How many gay teachers I have, I had no idea. How many married teachers I had, I had no idea. How many unmarried teachers I have, no idea. No concern. It didn't matter. They were my teachers. That was it. I didn't know what they did on the weekends. I didn't know where they lived. I didn't even really know what car they drove. And their cars were in a parking lot. I, if I really wanted to know, I could have easily followed them out there and watched them get into it and go, oh, a, a Honda. But I didn't because I didn't care. They were my teachers. They're not my friends. I was their student. I was not their friend. As nice as we could be to one another, it was in the context of the teacher-pupil relationship. There's no, hey, uh, now that you're graduating, here's my number. Let's keep in touch. I really dug you. No, they dealt with hundreds of students every single year, and they didn't give a damn about any one of them individually. And I dealt with six teachers every semester. I didn't give a damn about any of them individually. And that was it. I kept in touch with exactly zero of them. <laughs> one, one, maybe two times I've gone back, and this was in the five years after high school. I have friends and I have gone back and visited teachers, but there was a big buyout right after we graduated, so there wasn't a whole lot of there was massive turnover, and there was only a couple of teachers left in there that that we'd had that that we could say hello to, but they just didn't give a damn. I didn't give a damn either. It wasn't their job. to give, It was their job to educate me, and they educated me. Now these teachers go, oh, no, they're my friends. They're my students. They're not your, they're not your kids. They're not your kids. They're never going to be your kids. And uh, if you try to treat them like they're your kids, I'm probably going to break your nose, dude. It's, it's going to be that. You talk to them about inappropriate things, there's going to be problems. I don't care what you identify as. I don't care what you are. You get inappropriate with my kids and I'm going to get inappropriate with your physical existence. And most parents feel that way or should feel that way. It's probably innocent, but it doesn't matter. We sit here and we lock down the entire country for a virus with a 1% mortality rate where we knew what the comorbidities were that caused that mortality rate. Age, pre-existing conditions, weight, all those. We knew those things. We could have avoided this if we'd acted rationally on that the uh if you don't think that the public is going to say well yeah there's only a one percent chance that this person is a pervert that's too much for the kids it's too much for the kids too much with anybody sorry so yeah you can't teach if you can't teach without broadcasting that you're gay then don't teach then get out of the profession. It's pretty simple. If you can't teach without broadcasting that you're straight, get out of the profession. If you're a history teacher, even in high school, where the kids can handle it, and you go, well, you know what? I was going to tell you about the Battle of the Bulge today and World War II and really turning the tide and stopping the Nazis' last gasp for help. But you go, but, but... I got to tell you about this chick I met last weekend and the... Uh, the Saturday night that I spent in a hot tub with her. Boy, if you can't 
do that, if you can't do your job without that, then don't do your job. You don't deserve your job. Get the hell out of the profession. Get away from kids. There's something wrong with you, and it is not correctable. I can't possibly teach my class without seven rainbow flags in it. Really? You can't? Well, then, get out. Sorry. I don't care if you're gay. Go ahead. Be gay. Congratulations. I care that you're not doing your job. There's no class in high school where your being gay matters, where it is a, an important life lesson. History, it's not important. Well, what about Stonewall? Stonewall is not important in the grand scheme of things, okay? In a, in a time when you spend maybe two days on the Civil War in history class, the idea of the gay rights struggle is not important. Maybe teach kids about actual history, important history, so we don't end up repeating it. And I'm not talking about your personal history, about how you spent last weekend. Get over your damn selves. Instead, you have the Biden administration, the Democratic Party, pledging that they will go after anybody in any state that tries to prevent minors from butchering their bodies permanently. A 12-year-old girl says, no, I'm a boy. All right, here's puberty blockers, or we're going to give you a double mastectomy if you've gotten breast surgery. Right? We're going to make you feel comfortable in your body. We're going to do all of that. And to do that, what do they say? Well, to deny that is to damage the child's psyche. The child needs gender-affirming care. It's wrong to deny. And any states, we will go after them if they do that. Okay. Okay. If that's what you... Then let's take that to the next level, shall we? Just for a second. Just for fun. For gits and shiggles. If you can have a double mastectomy because somebody's uncomfortable in their body, some girl is uncomfortable in their body, and they're not, you know, it certainly never would be a mental disorder, then couldn't you then say, then you can't deny a girl who's 15 years old breast implants? Right? For the exact same reason, suddenly the whole thing falls apart, doesn't it? Just like everything that the left does, it's a house of cards, it's a total scam, it's a sham, and they're evil people. And given how sick these leftists are, and how they're like, oh, you know, if you want to have, uh, if you want to have your genitals mutilated at uh, age twelve, absolutely, let's do that, and let's chemically alter your body for all eternity. I want to play a clip for you from Gen- Ginger Goebbels at the White House press briefing. She wasn't asked anything about this. She simply came out and declared it in her opening statement that uh, this is this White House, this administration, the Democratic Party wants to remove parental rights then they're it's coming completely they're not they're doing it implicitly they're going to do it explicitly they want to remove parental rights when it comes to gender and gender affirmation because they're sick people they're i don't know what other word for it is there is aside from grooming but listen to ginger Goebbels. if your kid wants to transition uh, nobody should be able to deny that or whatever even even you, you don't get a say. Forget all the kids. They deny the existence of kids. And Republicans, conservatives need to start really highlighting people, a lot of people, and make some stars out of people who transitioned and then said, oh, wait, no, I'm going to transition back. Those stories need to be told. 
They're scared to death to tell them, but they need to happen. Listen to Ginger Goebbels talk about this. Last item for you before we get to your questions. Uh, across the country, as we've talked about a bit in here, Republican elected officials are engaging in a disturbing, cynical trend of attacking vulnerable transgender kids for purely partisan political reasons. Today in Alabama, instead of focusing on critical kitchen table issues like the economy, COVID, or addressing the country's mental health crisis, Republican lawmakers are currently debating legislation that, among many things, would target trans use with tactics that threatens to put pediatricians in prison if they provide medically necessary life-saving health care for the kids they serve. Just like the extreme government overreach we've seen in Texas, where politicians have sent state officials into the homes of loving parents to investigate them for abuse just to harass and intimidate the LGBTQI plus community, today's vote in Alabama will only serve to harm kids. But Alabama's lawmakers and other legislators who are contemplating these discriminatory bills have been put on notice by the Department of Justice and the Department of Health and Human Services that laws and policies preventing care that health care professionals recommend for transgender minors may violate the Constitution and federal law. To be clear, every major medical association agrees that gender-affirming health care for transgender kids is a best practice and potentially life-saving. All of this begs an important question. What are these policies actually trying to solve for? LGBTQI plus people can't be erased or forced back into any closets, and kids across our nation should be allowed to be who they are without the threat that their parents or their doctor could be in prison simply for helping them and loving them. Uh, President Biden has committed in both words and actions to fight for all Americans and will not hesitate to hold these states accountable. How gross. How gross. Oh, it's life-affirming and life-saving health care. Really? <clears throat> Having your genitals removed at age 12? That's it? Having hormones injected into you? Having chemicals injected into you to prevent puberty? Is life-saving? Really? Really? How much? How many decisions that you've stuck to did you make at age 12? Any? 15 at age 15 any probably 18 none but there they are we will go after everybody that means parents if one of these left-wing grooming teachers gets their talons into your kid then what happens then your kid goes no 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 i'm not billy i'm jenny and you go no you're seven years old you're 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 Billy and we're going to no, 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 you're you're a problem. And if you think that these activist groomer teachers are just going to go, well, we'll let the family sort that out. You got another thing coming. They will involve the authorities and they will involve the authorities immediately and thoroughly and completely. And those authorities at the behest of the Democratic Party and this administration will go, we must. We must get in there to save this child in order to save this child. We must get in there. And we must strip these parents of their parental rights. Who are these parents to deny this life-affirming, life-saving, important medical procedures? And when the feces hits the fan down the road, when these kids realize, what the hell did I just do to myself? And they try to reverse it, and they discover that it's irreversible. Even if they were just taking hormone blockers, they're not going to be able to have kids. It's over. Maybe there are other sorts of all sorts of potential damaging health impacts of this stuff. Where do they turn? Are those faceless bureaucrats and 
tranny teachers going to be out there going, oh, I'll take care of you. You are sick. You can move in with me, and I'll take care of you, and I'll feed you. And I'll... No, they're not going to be anywhere near it. They're going to be off grooming the next generation so that whatever hole in their souls that they're trying to fill continues to attempt to be filled by these people, by new children, new children, new converts. And you say, well, you can't convince somebody to do these. You can't talk into any into these things. Why is it that Gallup, not some right-wing organization, that Gallup found that for some curious reason, Generation Z, the millennials, are about 20% trans or bi or gay. 20%. Whereas the rolling average throughout all of human history has been about 3%. Suddenly there's this huge bump. Why? Because in culture they made it cool. They made it the cool thing to be. You may, that may sound absurd to you. And it is absurd. Doesn't mean it's not true. Now, are these 20% actively engaging in bisexual activity? Probably not. But it's fashionable to declare it. It's fashionable to declare it. You get the ability to, to be cool and go, oh, I have a girlfriend of your girl. And you can walk down the hallway at school holding the girl's hand going, ha, 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 ha. And stick your finger in the eye. You can rebel against your parents or whatever. And that didn't come out of nowhere. That came out of teachers grooming kids, telling them this is this is acceptable, this is normal, this is cool. And actually, it's more normal. There are people out there pushing the idea that it's actually more normal to be bisexual. Look, monogamy is insane. Think of you know that's what the Jada Pinkett Smiths of the world say. Oh, monogamy is nuts. It's insane. Okay, I don't care what you do. Don't tell my kids that crap because you're wrong, all right? You, your husband is clearly having a mental breakdown because of you and what you're forcing him to go through as a human being. Same thing with all these kids. All these, the LGBTQ community is committing suicide at an alarming rate. Well, the numbers are nowhere near the rest of the country or the rest of the population, but that's irrelevant. Maybe it's because there are mental disorders there and your sales pitch is most successful and receptive to people who have depression issues, who are trying to figure out why it is they're sad and they could use some real help, but instead you're giving them this thing that helps you, makes you feel better or helps you advance your politics, whatever it is, it's got to be stopped. It has to be stopped. New Jersey, if you're out there, um, you got to stop this crap because they're coming for your kids no matter how well you protect them. It's disgusting. It's disgusting people who shouldn't be anywhere near kids. All right, that's enough. Like I said, it's the weekend. I'm gonna the weekend. The Monday shows are gonna be shorter because it's the freaking weekend. But I realize now that I forgot to mention the. Uh, we'll get to Boris Johnson's trip and everything. But um, I forgot to uh, mention which book was won at the beginning of it, which just makes the suspense, I suppose, even all the more. Think of it all as foreplay. The Dana Perino book was won this week, and it was won by a guy named Matthew Clark. So congratulations to Matthew Clark. You have a message you've either responded to or saw or uh, awaiting you in your Patreon message account, which some people ask, how do I check those? I don't know how it is on everybody's browser or everything, but on mine, it's on the left-hand side when you're logged in. 
you have like a little bubble, like chat bubble thing. And that's where the messages come in. I don't know how to describe it any better than that. It's on the left-hand side near the top, but I'm not at the top. I'm sure you can figure it out. You're smarter than me. Anyway, congratulations to Matthew. Thank you for entering this week's contest. That means that Adam Carolla is returning, a returning non-champion. And he is joined by, where in the hell is that book? There it is. So you got, In 50 Years We'll All Be Jicks by Adam Carolla versus A Lucky Life Interrupted, A Memoir of Hope by uh, Tom Brokaw. That's right. NBC News, Tom Brokaw reporting. I know he's probably a lib and he says some annoying things sometimes, but he's still a uh, legend in the news business and he's been around forever. He did, uh, he was in Annapolis, hell, I don't know, three, four years ago. And some friends of ours got, we got tickets and we went and saw it and uh, he did a book signing afterwards and so I knew it was coming and at the time, I was like a real autograph book hoarder, like problematic. So I went and I got a ton, a ton, well, not a ton, but I think I got as many Tom Brokaw books as I could, one of each or two, maybe one or two or whatever, depending on the price. And I uh, got him to autograph them. I had to go through, there's four of us, I had him to go, had to go through the line with everybody because I couldn't be the guy standing with like 10 books to sign. Anyway, autographed by Tom Brokaw, not to anybody in particular, just by Tom Brokaw. You can see the pictures of it at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Go there, check it out, sign up, enter to win, and all of that. It's really the only way to win. I appreciate uh, your support and all your help and everything, and uh, we'll be back with regular programming tomorrow. Have a great Monday. <laughs>